0: been an exciting week for the Ritchie family. We have very much to be thankful for. As Butch mentioned, uh, this week we celebrated our son's fourth birthday. It is absolutely true what they say. The uh, older they get, the faster time goes. I have no idea where the last four years went. We also celebrated my wife's successful Passing of her nurse practitioner test on Wednesday. And I tell you that not only to brag on my wife uh, for all the hard work that she has done and what, uh, by God's grace, she was able to accomplish, but to thank you sincerely, all of you who were praying for her. And she definitely felt your prayers and was sustained by uh, your prayers. And so we thank you so much for uh, praying for her. Uh, Also, on Friday morning, as we were headed to Gigi's work, she was driving because uh, apparently my my driving makes her car sick. Uh, <laughs> true story. Uh, she was driving to work. Uh, we were all with her. Uh, generally, what we do: she goes to work, and then I take Elijah to uh, daycare, and then I, I come into work or go go home, whatever I need to get done that day. But uh, we drove through Town. We drove up onto the interstate and uh, down through Cumberland and up to the hospital. Uh, college exit and down that exit and uh, past the college and right as we were entering the first uh, turnabout there at the hospital, our brakes went out and Gigi uh, had no brakes and uh, almost hit the car in front of us and uh, praise God she was able uh, to safely get the car off the road without brakes uh, so that we weren't in an accident. And so we praise God for that. Uh, literally minutes earlier. <laughs> if we had lost brakes while on the interstate. You uh, you know the road. Uh, and so we uh, had a real af- affirmation of God's presence with us. God's protection of us. Uh, to be able to lose your brakes and not even have an accident. Is just an incredible Uh, act of God and so there are times when God shows up in that kind of a way and by the way big thank you to Pastor Nick for uh, being there I'm not sure exactly what you had planned on Friday morning but he ended up uh, spending it in service to us and helping us as we waited for the tow truck and then as uh, I needed to go get the rental car if you see us driving a new car today that is not our car that's the rental car because our Jeep also needs fixed and it's, it's going in the shop on Wednesday and uh, so Elijah calls it the fancy car. Uh, he's going to, I think he's going to be very disappointed when we have to take that, that thing back. In fact, yesterday he, he wanted to go for a ride in the fancy car. Uh, we told him he had to wait till, till this morning, till church. But sometimes God shows up in a way like he did for us on Friday, like he has for us all week when we celebrate, when we praise. It's very easy to praise. It's very easy to thank. It's very easy to see God's hand at at work in your life. But what about the times when God isn't so visible? I didn't tell my wife I was going to share this this morning, but as we celebrate Elijah's fourth birthday... Um, it is a reminder that, that in the six years of our marriage, we've also had four miscarriages. Some of you have walked that path. You understand how painful that is. And so there is, there is great joy, but I, I want you to under, understand that I understand also as well times of pain, times of loss, and sometimes we paint this picture of, of faith that, If you just trust Jesus, everything is going to go easy and everything is going to go good. That's the Americanized version of the gospel. And that is not the biblical gospel. That is not the experience of any true Christian. We do go through hard times. We do go through dark times. So what is the thing that holds us to the path? Certainly it's the Lord holding us. We want to give him all the praise and the glory but these things happen to us to test us and we don't understand and can't understand on this side of eternity all of the reasons why bad things happen to us why God allows tragedies we see uh, the veil peeled back peeled back in in places in scripture we know in in the book of Job in the life of Job and and certainly uh, Job lost far more than 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 I could imagine uh, We see that the veil is peeled back and that there was a a satanic activity that was involved in that and that that there was something spiritual going on that was beyond Job's understanding at the time. And certainly uh, those things are true in our lives as well, that there is a spiritual element that oftentimes we can't see, but we should see with the eyes of faith that God is still in control, that God still cares, that God still loves I love that song that I just sang. It's taken from what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego suffered. When they stood before King Nebuchadnezzar, said, King, our God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow. That is the example of faith that you and I are called to follow. That is the example of faith set down for us in Scripture that you and I are are called to be. We're going to go back to Hebrews chapter 11 here in just a minute. I want to stop off in James chapter 1, right next to Hebrews. James chapter 1, I want to remind you why God allows troubles, trials into our life, what is being tested. Gigi is, uh, as you can imagine, ecstatic to have this test uh, for uh, her nurse practitioner position behind her, There are though many kind of tests that we face. The tests that a nurse practitioner goes through or the the medical boards that a doctor takes or the uh, legal bar that a lawyer goes through or the the tests that an electrician must take to be certified, the uh, tests that a trucker must take to be able to be licensed to drive one of those uh, big vehicles. The the different tests that we take, there, there are all different kinds of tests that we take for the things that we are hoping to do, called to do, set out to do. All of us, though, are tested. All of us who are believers, all of us who are children of God, are tested in this area. We're tested in the area of our faith. And James reminds us in verse 2, to count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations or trials, not just the temptation to sin, but trials of all different kinds. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. God allows trials in our life to test us, and what He is testing us is on uh, is our faith. Will we trust God? Will we believe God? Now go back with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We're really uh, our launching pad is First Timothy chapter four verse 12. We're really doing an extended exposition of First Timothy 4:12 where we are commanded, Timothy is specifically commanded, but we all of us are commanded to be an example. Let no man despise thy youth. Let no man despise whatever prejudice you are facing, but be thou an example of the believers in word. uh, Say what you mean, mean what you say, be careful what you say. In conversation, practice what you preach. In charity, in love love must be without dissimulation or without hypocrisy romans 12 says that we are to love in truth that we are to hate what is evil we hate the sin but love the sinner and we also uh, 1 john 3:16 are to love as jesus loved us sacrificially John says this is how we know what love is. This is how love has been manifested to us and that Christ gave himself for our sins. You never have to doubt whether or not God loves you. He showed you on the cross by giving his own own son, his only begotten son, the very son of God, Jesus, God, the son, laying his life down, the sinless, sinless sacrifice. I've heard a couple uh, popular commentators this week one very liberal, one very conservative, both say, well, you know, Jesus wasn't perfect. Uh, Incorrect. Jesus is God. Jesus is sinless. That's why he could die for my sin and for your sin. And he rose again. And he loves you. But the example for us is to follow him in sacrificing ourselves. Of course, we don't, uh, most Christians will never face an actual cross. Many Christians are martyred. But he's talking about laying down our Our time, laying down our treasures, laying down our priorities, thinking not of our own needs, but also for the needs of others. In spirit, we talked about the need to use and exercise our spiritual gifts to serve the body of Christ. And last week, we began to look at faith. Now, last week, we spent a lot of time talking about what faith is. We're to be an an example of faith. That means the pattern of our life is to be one that's lived out. The word for example there means a pattern. We're to be a pattern. Our life is to be a pattern of faith. Faith is critical to this idea of being a testimony because as Hebrews 11:6 6 tells us, without faith it's impossible to please him. It's impossible to please God. Paul said we walk by faith, not by sight. And so it's Crucial if we're going to be what God has called us to be, an example of a believer, that we walk by faith. And so we talked a lot about what faith is. We saw that faith is uh, really the word means persuasion, to be persuaded. But faith is given to us in scriptures within context. That persuasion, that being persuaded, has a context. Uh, Biblical faith is a very specific kind of faith, it's not faith in faith, it's not faith in myself. Uh, we saw last week that from Hebrews chapter 10 and some other passages that uh, biblical faith, true biblical faith, is Christ-centered. It's saving. It's living. It's not something that we just need to get saved. As Christians, we need it to live out our faith. It's promise-driven. It's focused even in the darkness. It's focused on what is on the other side of that darkness, that God will get us through that fire, that He will get us through that darkness. It's essential to pleasing God. And so uh, when we talk about being an example, we think uh, or should think of Hebrews chapter 11, where we see many examples given to us of what it means to walk by faith. How can I be an example? Well, let's look at the examples that God has given us in Hebrews chapter 11. And so last week we covered just the first three of these. And we said, as we looked uh, at the testimony of of the old saints, uh, in Back in Hebrews chapter 11, through faith, verse 3, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So we talked about the fact that we need to believe God's word unconditionally. This is the test of revelation, the test of, uh, of whether or not you believe God's revelation. If you believe God's revelation of the, of the past, it makes it a lot easier to believe God's revelation and God's promises of the future. But if you can't trust what God has said about the past, then how can we trust what God says about heaven? How can we trust what God says about the future? A lot easier to record what you have seen than what you have, from the human perspective, what not seen. But the, what, we, what proves to us that God is eternal, that God exists outside of time and space is the perfect record of the past, the perfect record of the future. God declares the end from the beginning. Uh, But we need to understand, we need to believe what God says about the beginning if we're going to trust what he says about the end. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. If we're not trusting God's word, then our faith is going to be stunted. It's not a salvation issue, whether or not you accept the literal interpretation of Genesis 1 and 2, but it is a testimony issue. We saw last week uh, when we looked at uh, Abel that we need to accept God's righteousness exclusively. This is the test of revelation. Excuse me, the test of uh, righteousness. That's a typo in my notes. That's probably a typo up there too. Yes, should say the test of righteousness. This is an issue uh, of salvation, of course. Romans 3 tells us, uh, Romans chapter 3 In verse 21, now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all, upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation or a payment, a substitutionary payment, through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of, glo- of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So we need to trust in his righteousness to be saved. If I'm trusting in my own righteousness, I can't be saved. I have not passed the test of righteousness. But even as believers, even as those of us who have confessed our sin, we have trusted in the death and resurrection of Jesus as the only sufficient payment for our sins. And we have called upon the name of the Lord and we have been forgiven and we've been given eternal life. We've been saved. Even for us, we must frequently pass the test of righteousness. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, verse 15. We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we, have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now, that's the salvation part, but listen to the next verse. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Now, you say, what is Paul saying? Let me, let me interpret that for you. Paul's saying, in order to become a Christian, you must set aside your self-righteousness. Amen. You must admit that you are not good enough, that only God is good enough, and that you can only be made good enough by faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. But the moment we do that, the moment we set aside, we, we put our self-righteousness on the foot of, at the foot of the cross, on the ground in front of the cross, and we say, God, I can't, I can't save myself. I, I'm receiving your free gift of grace. And God, I'm trusting in you. I I'm, am I'm, I'm confess I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I need your forgiveness. I trust that you paid for my sins. You're, you're risen. You're resurrected. Please forgive me. Please save me. You are instantly saved. You are given the Holy Spirit. You are sealed until the day of redemption. You have eternal life. But you immediately, Paul says, want to rebuild that thing that you just tore down. You immediately want to build up that self-righteousness again. You want to earn it. You want to earn it. I hated the ending to the movie Saving Private Ryan. I don't know how many of you have seen that. I'm not suggesting you see it. It's a pretty intense, gory war movie. Uh, It's been out for a while, so I'm not giving you any spoiler alert here. But at the end of the movie, this guy, uh, many people lay down their lives to save this one private, Private Ryan. And as the last man lays down his life to save Private Ryan, he looks at him and he says, earn it, earn it. I hated that. That is so anti-Christ. You cannot earn it. There's nothing that you can do to earn it. And in Christ, we have to admit that I can't earn it. Now, we obey and we live out faith and we live out righteousness not to try to earn it or keep it, but because we want to please him, because we want to seek him, because we want to be his children, because we carry his name. Accept God's righteousness exclusively. Obey God's rules counterculturally. That's the test of rejection. What are we rejecting Enoch walked with God in the midst of a wicked culture that makes our culture look like Mayberry RFD. All right? Enoch walked with God in the midst of a wicked culture. How did he do that? He did it by faith. He rejected the culture, and he walked with God by faith, and he walked with God so closely that God actually raptured him out before judgment, which again is a type of the rapture of the church. Obey God's rules counter-culturally. You need to make the choice now. You need to make the choice today. I'm going to be a God pleaser. I'm not going to be a man pleaser. You have to decide ahead of time. You have to make the commitment now. If you wait until you get into the midst of the, of the trial, you're going to fall back on your self-righteousness. You're going to doubt the word of God. You're not going to be countercultural. So many Christians Uh, they want to be, they think they're going to win the world by being like the world. And I'm not talking about how you dress or how you talk. I mean, Paul said, be all things to all people, right? I'm all things to all people, but I'm talking about adopting their, uh, lifestyle, adopting their terminology, adopting their priorities. Well, this was how we're going to win them. That's not how it works. So. Let's continue through Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to continue this morning. We're going to continue even next week looking at this chapter as we begin to walk through these examples of faith that have been given to us, testimonies of faith that we also should be modeling so that people can look at our lives. And let let me just again tell you, as I said last week, none of these people that we're looking at are perfect or sinless. Abel was not sinless. Otherwise, he would not have had to make a sacrifice. Enoch was not sinless. He walked with God, but he was not sinless. None of these people are sinless. Abraham was not sinless. Sarah was not sinless. Uh, But they walked by faith. And God used them despite their failings, despite their imperfections. Uh, God used them. And he will use you as well. So let's look first of all here at verse 7. As we pick it up where we left off last week, verse 7. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not as yet seen nor not seen as yet moved with fear prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and he became heir of the righteousness which is by faith if i want to be a model of faith i have to prepare for the lord's judgment fearfully Prepare for the Lord's judgment fearfully. This is the test of witness. The test of witness. Now, I don't need to be afraid of God's judgment on the world. I won't be here. But if I truly know the fear of the Lord and I truly have the terror of the Lord, that should motivate me to do what Noah did. To prepare and to preach. To try to get other people prepared and to try to get other people to preach listen to what paul says in 2nd corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 and 11 for we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done whether it be good or bad knowing therefore the terror of the lord this is new testament this is not just something for Old Testament saints. Oh, we don't preach terror. Don't preach fear of the Lord. I had a very good friend of mine say, you know, he talked about that old sermon, uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. He said, what a horrible sermon title. I said, what a horrible sermon title. That's from Hebrews chapter 10. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Why would you say that's a horrible sermon title? It's right from the word of God. Paul says, knowing the terror of the Lord, we don't hide in our churches from the world. We don't try to isolate ourselves and put up a little bunker. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest into your conscience. Paul goes on to say that we are ambassadors for Christ. The reason that we're here is to be an ambassador, judgment is coming. All of us will stand. Now, we won't all stand before the Lord at the same day and at the same time, but all of us will stand before the Lord. Take comfort in the fact. Take warning from the fact. When you see people getting away, from, getting away with things, and we see a lot of insanity in our culture right now, people doing wicked things, lawless things, getting away with it, it's only temporary. They will give an account none of us gets away with anything. All of us will give an account. So it doesn't matter if, if the police officers aren't there because some idiot mayor or some idiot governor is trying to defund the police or trying to tell the police don't do your job. All of the wickedness that you see will be accounted for. And either people will confess their sin and trust in Jesus Christ for forgiveness, or they will stand before the Lord without his covering, without his forgiveness, without their sins removed. Everyone will stand before the Lord. That should motivate us to witness. That motivated Noah to witness. Noah was a testimony. He prepared. Noah heeded God's warning. He prepared for coming judgment. What are we doing? We need to tell people about Jesus before it's too late. Pastor Nick has been talking about this on Wednesday nights. We need to be a witness for Jesus Christ before it's too late. My witness must show that I am expecting the Lord's judgment. 2 Timothy 1, we talked about this verse when we looked at, uh, verse 7, when we looked at spiritual gifts. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death, hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles for the which cause. I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul was focused on the coming judgment. He was always constantly thinking about the day when he would stand before Jesus Christ and give an account. And the fact that he knew that he was going to give an account, that I'm going to give an account, that you're going to give an account, motivated him. It gave him boldness to preach. And he said, Timothy, you've been given a spirit, not a fear, but a power, love, sound mind. You need to be bold in your witness for Jesus Christ. Prepare For the Lord's judgment fearfully. Number five, look at verses eight through ten. Let's look at another example, another model of faith we need to be following Hebrews eleven verse eight By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him. Of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You know, we have some uh, beautiful cities in our world, amazing cities. We're seeing how fragile those cities are, not just because of their um, weakness to great geological events. I remember when many years ago when there was that earthquake in San Francisco and you see the pictures of the, uh, the bridges and the, you know, the um, interstate roads being damaged by the, by the earthquake, but even by our own citizens being destroyed by our own citizens, uh, but there's a city that is coming that will not suffer destruction, where people will not be vandalizing it, people will not be burning it, people will not be tearing it down. And that's what we should be living for. That's what we're living for. This world is not our home. So number five, we need to follow the Lord's leading fearlessly. We prepare for judgment fearfully, but we follow the Lord's leading fearlessly. This is the test of the, own, of the unknown. The test of the unknown. Abraham went out not knowing whither he went, but he followed God. And so here's the application for us today. I need to obey God even when I don't understand. Amen. I need to obey God even when I don't have all the details. My wife is a detail person, not as much me, right? Which that's, a, that's something I have to remember. She really likes details. I just want, I want the summary, right? She wants the details. Sometimes, we, sometimes God gives us details, Uh, sometimes he doesn't. By the way, that's not an excuse for me not to give my wife details. If I have them, I need to give give her details. Guys, give your wife the details. But God does not always give us the details. And so we don't always know. In fact, I would say we rarely know what the day will hold, what the week will hold, what the month will hold. None of us saw 2020 coming. None of us. So we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. And so whether we understand or not, whether we have the details or not, we need to obey God. We have to let the Lord direct our steps. He alone can secure the outcome. Let me, excuse me, let me read to you a selection of verses from Proverbs chapter 16. This is one of my favorite chapters in the book of Proverbs. It deals so much with with, uh, how God's sovereignty and man's will coexist, that God is sovereign over our free moral agency and there's so much that solomon says in these verses about that the freedom that we have that god has given us and yet he maintains sovereignty over that let me just read you a few of these verses proverbs 16:1, uh, 2 and 3 the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the lord all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes but the lord weigheth the spirit's commit thy works unto the lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Listen, you can make your plans, but God will dis- determine what you're allowed to do. And you may think that your path is righteous, but God determines whether it is or not. Verse 9 says a man deviseth his way, a man's heart deviseth his way, but the lord directeth his steps. God's going to you you have a heart that's set on a particular path God's going to determine whether those doors open or not and sometimes he lets you go through doors he doesn't want you to go through sometimes he puts a sign on the door that says do not enter but he doesn't lock it so you have to trust the Lord whether the door is locked or not if it says don't go in don't go in verse 18 pride goeth before destruction and haughty spirit before a fall verse 25 there is a way that seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof are the ways of death In verse 33, there's a a typo on the screen. There is no verse 35 of Proverbs 16. It's verse 33. The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. God is sovereign over chance itself. And so we have to trust him. Follow the Lord's leading fearlessly. uh, Follow the example of Abraham. Set the example of Abraham. I would never have imagined God calling me back to Cumberland. In fact, up until a few years ago, uh, my prayer was, God, anywhere but Cumberland. I'm not going to lie to you. And I had a friend of mine, in fact, my uh, former boss's wife, she said, ah, I have a feeling God's going to send you to Cumberland because you just said that. And I said, well, I was joking, but, but you know what God began to do before I, before I ever even moved back here? God, I started to feel homesick all of a sudden. I thought, where is this coming from? I'd see friends post pictures of of uh, Cumberland or, you know, downtown or whatever, and i start to get homesick, and i see friends post things, and i start to get homesick, and I'm thinking, my family doesn't even live there anymore. Why am I so homesick? And God was preparing my heart. It uh, wasn't what I thought God was going to do, but we are so excited uh, to be back here and couldn't be happier. But that you have to trust the Lord. You have to follow what the Lord says. He, he knows what your heart really needs, not your heart. Your heart will trick you. But God will give you a a new heart. So uh, follow the Lord's leading fearlessly. But part of that, friend, is also depending on the Lord's strength completely. Depend on the Lord's strength completely. And this is what I'm calling the test of weakness. The test of weakness. All of these are tests of faith. The test of witness the test of the unknown, the test of weakness. Listen to what verses 11 and 12 say. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. Because, And, and that's an understatement. Many of you know the story. This is a 90-year-old woman getting pregnant. God does have a sense of humor. Because she judged him faithful who had promised... I mean, this is like... Um, uh, Betty White here or something, you know, like timeless, ageless. I think she's going to live forever. Not that she's pregnant. Don't, that, don't start that rumor. Pastor DJ said Betty White's pregnant. No. No, that was, the inquirer might say that. That's not what I'm saying. That's just. But Sarah was delir- delivered a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Now, I'm pretty confident that this isn't how God's going to do a miracle in your life if you're in your 80s, 90s, ladies. Um, I'm not trying to scare you, okay? This isn't the weakness that this was something special that God was doing in history, but it is there for an example for us for a reason. God won't test all of our weaknesses the same way because we don't have, all have the same weaknesses, but, but God will test your weaknesses. God tested Paul's weaknesses. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, lest I should be exalted above measure, Paul said, through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness your weakness has been given to you so god can flex his muscle in your life and show that the strength is from him and not from you you have weaknesses on purpose all of us have weaknesses i have weaknesses you have weaknesses we must give those weaknesses to the lord we must trust in his grace some of us have physical weaknesses Some of us have mental health issues. We have mental weaknesses. Some of us have emotional weaknesses because of scars of things that have happened in our past. Some of us have financial weaknesses. We have different kinds of weaknesses. But God has allowed those things into our life, those tests in our life, to see what will you do when you can't do. What will you do when you don't have the strength? Will you trust, the Lord is saying, Will you trust my strength? Is my grace sufficient? It is. His grace is sufficient for thee. His strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, Paul then concludes, verse 9, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. I'm not there yet. Paul was there. (laughs) But it took Paul some time to get there, too. But Paul says, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, his strength becomes our strength. His strength becomes your strength by faith when you will depend on his strength completely. So trust the Lord for the outcome. When, I, when we supply the obedience, he supplies the victory. I can do all things Through Christ, which strengtheneth me, Philippians 4.13, that does not mean that we can do whatever we want. That does not mean, as, you know, Ray Lewis famously said that before winning the Super Bowl. God's going to give me a Super Bowl victory. Well, it kind of worked out that way, but that wasn't God giving Ray the Super Bowl victory, okay? Sorry, Ravens fans. I know we got some Ravens fans here. Um, I bleed uh, black and gold, although I I may not watch the NFL this year. I haven't decided yet. That's another... I want to get off track. Sorry, rabbit trail. Let's stay on on track here. When we are weak, he is strong. Whatever he has called you to do, you can do. Doesn't mean you can do whatever you want to do, and he's going to give you the strength. It means that whatever he has called you to do, you have his strength to do it. Don't always get to do what you want to do, but we can do whatever he's called us to do. Depend on the Lord's strength completely like Sarah. Follow Noah's example. Prepare for judgment fearfully. Tell others about Jesus. Follow Abraham's example. Follow the Lord's leading fearlessly into the unknown. Don't wait till you have the details. Step out on faith. Don't wait till you have everything marked out for you. Step out on faith. Follow the example of Sarah. Depend on the Lord's strength completely, trust him for the outcome. And then let's talk about Abraham again. Verses 17, 18, and 19. Let's talk about the test of personal sacrifice. I have to love the Lord sacrificially. This this is one of the hardest tests of faith that any of us will ever be given. Verse 17, for ye... No, whoop, wrong chapter, excuse me. Verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he has tried, when he was tried, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac, and he that hath received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. See, this is a picture of Calvary that is being given to us by Abraham, but he didn't know that. He didn't know that's what God was doing. He had no no idea that's what God was doing. All he knew was God had promised him something. God had promised that Isaac would be the heir. And Abraham, when you track through his life, you see that he had a lot of doubt. And he had a lot of failures of faith. And there were times when he got scared and lied to protect himself and he didn't trust God. But at this point in his life as an old man, he has learned his lessons. And he says, God, you keep your promises. And if, even if I kill this kid, he's going to come back to life, back from the dead. He won't stay dead because I know what you promised That's an incredible amount of faith. He didn't start there. You're not going to start there. But this is where we all need to be, to love the Lord sacrificially. And, of course, you know the story. Many of you know the story. Abraham tied Isaac down with Isaac's cooperation. A lot of faith in Isaac as well as he got up on the altar. He raised his knife to kill his son. And God said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now I know. Now you know, listen, I've got a sacrifice for you. You're not going to have to give your son. I have a sacrifice for you. But in that, God was painting us this incredible picture that he was going to send his son and, and sacrifice his son and raise his son from the dead so that you can be forgiven, so that you can go to heaven, so that you can have eternal life. You can't earn it. You don't pay for it. You receive it as a gift. You just simply Ask God's forgiveness of your sin and trust in his death and resurrection and you are forgiven in in this incredible picture. But the, the example here for us is that we need to be willing to sacrifice whatever God asks us to sacrifice. So Abraham trusted God to keep his promise to raise Isaac from the dead. What is God asking you to sacrifice today? Now, if it's a sin, that's an easy question. And then the Holy Spirit's already telling you. You know, if, if there's a sin you're holding on to, a bitterness, an unforgiveness, uh, an area uh, that you've tried to keep hidden from God, something on your computer, something hidden in your closet, something on your calendar that you have not yet surrendered to God, that's easy. But, but if there isn't a specific sin that you're holding on to, of course, all of us sin, but... Is there something else that God is... The Holy Spirit is specifically telling you, hey, you need to give this up. You need to sacrifice this for me. It might be a, a financial sacrifice. It might be a, a sacrifice uh, that you're going to have to give up something to, to have time to do something else. I don't know what it is. The Holy Spirit, ask him to show you. He will not hide it from you. But Jesus said, listen, we all have to take up our cross daily. And follow him or we're not worthy to be his disciples he's not saying that we have to die to self to stay saved but he's saying if you want to call yourself my disciple if you want to be an example you need to take up that cross every day luke chapter 9 and follow me what are you going to what's it going to profit you you gain the whole world but you lose your soul And to the believer, I would say, what's it going to profit you? You get to spend your whole life doing what you want to do as a Christian, and you get to heaven, and you stand before the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 3, the works of your life, as we talked about last week, pass through the fire of God's judgment, and all that time and all that money that you spent on yourself, self, 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 is wood, hay, and stubble, and you're standing there, and Paul says, you're saved, you're in heaven, eternal life, but you got there, Paul says, as if by fire you got nothing to show for it. Amen. So what is God asking you to sacrifice? Lay it down. Give it up. Bring it to the altar. You can do that literally here in just a few minutes, symbolically. You can do that standing where you are as we stand and sing here in just a few minutes. You can do it in your car on the way home if you're fighting, if you're saying, I'm not, I don't want to give that up. I'm not ready to give that up. I'm not ready to give that up. I watched this uh, really interesting documentary on the King James Bible, uh, John Rice Davies narrated it, some of you may have seen it, uh, he's the guy who played Gimli in uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, he's got you know, that deep uh, British voice, uh, just real easy to listen to, it's a really interesting documentary, but on the special features, uh, he has this love for the King James, and he has this passion for the scriptures, and then they asked him in the interview section on the special features, are you a Christian? And he didn't really know how to answer. He said, You know, I want to be. I wish I could be. But there are things in my life I'm just not ready to give up. And what a tragedy. What a tragedy. Now, I don't know. That, that documentary is a few years old. I don't, I don't know what's happened in his life since then. But I, I know today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of salvation. If you're holding on to something, lay it down. You don't have tomorrow guaranteed. Love the Lord sacrificially as an example of faith. And then lastly, before we close, uh, verse 13 through 22. Let me just read it. I'll just make a few quick comments in summary. We're going to back up here. The writer says, These all died in faith, verse 13, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers And pilgrims on the earth, for they say that such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, listen, I love this country. I do. I love America. uh, God bless America. But this is my temporary country. This is not my eternal home. I'm here visiting. I'm a pilgrim. You're a pilgrim. Truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned, but now they desire a better country, that is a heavenly, whereof God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. And then, jumping forward, verse 20 by faith, Isaac. Bless Jacob and Esau concerning things to come by faith. Jacob, when he was a di- at, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worship, leaning upon the top of his staff by faith. Joseph, when he had died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel, gave commandment concerning his bones. Let me just give you this very quickly. We're going to talk, Lord willing, probably sometime next year, Lord willing, we're going to do an entire study on just prophecy, on just the way that God has told us what's coming. Amos 3.7, speaking specifically in context of the nation of Israel, says that God does nothing without first telling his prophets, his servants the prophets. We know what's coming, specifically in context there concerning the nation of Israel. We, we know the future. We've read the end of the book. First Thessalonians 5.20 says, Don't despise, despise not prophesying."s A lot of Christians don't want to talk about prophecy. But, but here's a, an, this is another testimony of faith. Take prophecy literally. Take prophecy literally. This is the test of future fulfillments. Many Christians, again, this is not a salvation issue. This is like the past. This is not a salvation issue, but it is a testimony issue. Will you believe God? Will you believe God's word? Will you take it as it's, as it's written? Now, we can debate Uh, The timing of the rapture, we'll talk more about that. Actually, uh, Lord willing, next Sunday night, we'll talk a little bit more about that. And I am so thankful that this church has been faithful to preach the uh, any-moment return of Jesus Christ for his church could happen today, could happen before we sing, could happen in any moment. But many Christians don't take prophecy literally. How was it that the scriptures could tell the Jewish people Where Jesus would be born. And when you go to the book of Daniel, you can actually see the very date that Jesus would be crucified. So they had an idea of when he would be born. They didn't have the exact date of his birth, but they had the place of his birth. They had the time given of his death. They were told how he would die. They were told how he would be born. He'd be born of a virgin. God had a celestial star to mark his birth. God had the Prophecies that the wise men knew, and they, when, so when they saw the star, they, they knew what it represented. And yet the children of Israel, who had the prophecies, did not take them literally, and they missed Messiah. Many Christians today do not take God's word literally when it comes to the end times. And we'll talk more about that but at some other time. But J- Isaac, Jacob, Joseph... They all acted upon God's future promises. So two quick applications as we close here. Uh, again, we'll, we're going to do uh, really a really in-depth study on this at some point, but I want you to, number one, find hope in the prophecies of, scriptures, of the Scriptures. Prophecies are promises. Prophecies are God's promises, and God keeps His promises. All of the promises of God are yes in Jesus Christ. He is the fruit and the proof that God keeps His promises. And then secondly, it's a reminder that since I know that, that I'm going to be spending eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ, that I, for right now, I'm a stranger and pilgrim on earth. My country is the one who is to come, the country that is to come. And yes, as an ambassador, I've been sent as an ambassador to the United States of America. I love this country that, where I've been sent as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, as an ambassador of the coming kingdom of God. But this world is not my home. This world is not your home. We need to live as aliens and stranger. Prepare for the Lord's judgment fearfully. Be a witness. Follow the Lord's leading fearlessly. Step out into the unknown. Depend on the Lord's strength completely. In your weaknesses, receive his grace and strength. Love the Lord sacrificially. Lay down whatever it is God is calling you to lay down. And then lastly, take prophecy literally these are five ways that we can live out the commandment of 1 Timothy chapter 4.12 to be an example of faith to other believers. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God, which is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. God, we thank you for the testimonies of these men and this woman, none of whom were sinless or perfect. And yet, God, in their weakness and their failings, God, you sanctified them, you matured them, you grew them up as examples for us. And God, may we learn from their examples so that we can be an example to our family, to our church, to our community. God, we love you. We thank you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.